0: Forget alienation, says University of Calgary Professor Barry Cooper. Call a referendum on separation. Cooper maintains it's time for a new relationship with Ottawa. It's time to reset the agreement in Confederation, one that was established to ensure Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and the Northwest Territories would never have the power base needed to dictate the direction of their own territories, let alone that of the country. I invited Professor Barry Cooper to join me for a conversation that matters about Alberta's mistreatment by Ottawa from the moment it was created. Professor Cooper, welcome. And thank you for joining me for this very important conversation about Western alienation, Alberta in particular, and the Prairie provinces in general. What is your sense of where we are at in terms of mood?
1: Well, first of all, I wouldn't call it alienation. Um, I'd call it injustice, uh, and I'd call it a growing awareness of a kind of structural injustice that has been part of what is now the Western Canadian experience from the period from before Confederation. Um, I've, I've written a fair bit about this, and it is, it's something that's not gonna go away Uh, So far as I'm concerned, there's no kind of compromise within Confederation that Laurentian Canada would be willing to accept. Uh, They've never accepted that Westerners, uh, whether they were uh, Indians, Métis, uh, settlers from the Orkneys, the Hebrides, the old Hudson Bay people, uh, were ever partners. Uh, They've even had problems with B.C., but nothing compared to what it's been like from from what's now the Prairie Province.
0: the Prairie Provinces were a creation of Ottawa to begin with, and from the very beginning, the relationship was set up so that there wouldn't be an, uh, an appropriate power base in the west to be able to exercise control over their own domain and have, by extension, too much power in Parliament.
1: Yeah, and before that, uh, the uh, the Northwest, uh, the Northeast too, that was given to Quebec after. Uh, uh, after the Hudson Bay Company left, uh, and Rupert's land were controlled from London, mm-hmm. so we have been part of an imperial uh, political uh, I'd say i'd call it bureaucratic domination uh, from long before confederation uh, and uh, essentially uh, Macdonald simply uh, modified the uh, the structure that had been in place from London and applied it uh, to the uh, well, we were in provinces to the territory um, uh, for until 1930, essentially. Uh, so uh, none of that has changed. None of it, I don't think, ever will change, uh, because it has grown into a kind of um, what in political science we sometimes call a political myth about the way that Laurentian Canada looks at this part of the country and the experience that we have had uh, from uh, Laurentian policies what, five generations now.
0: That's a long time. Well, if we go back and look at the Milch cow campaign with a cow being fed in Alberta and being milked in Ottawa, this feeling of injustice has existed for quite some time. You know, it has ebbed and flowed at times, and then it really started to intensify in the 1980s, especially when the National Energy Program was introduced. And I think that when it had boiled up, that's when Ottawa started to listen. So right now, is there value in starting to say, okay, we're sick and tired of this treatment?
1: Yeah, there's a great deal of value in it, uh, not as a threat, um, but because independence would, we'd be much better off uh, as an independent country. Uh, and because there's, I, I used to think there would be, uh, you could reform Confederation, uh, and there's certainly been willingness uh, in, the, in the prairie provinces. Uh, the, the two premiers of Saskatchewan and, and Alberta are still uh, in that, I would say, diluted state that something can be done. Um, but it didn't start with the national energy program. It started with the national policy. Mm-hmm. It started with the, with the wheat board, uh, or it continued with the wheat board. Um, it has been the same kind of exploitation that, uh, you know, we have tried just about everything inside the parties, outside the parties, third parties, uh, strange things like social credit or the progressives, uh, the NDP, uh, you name it, uh, and nothing's worked. So eventually, I'd say Westerners will come to the conclusion that nothing ever will work. And then there's only one option.
0: So there was considerable interest in Premier Kenney's Fair Deal panel, which has since fizzled. Do you think there was any value in that exercise? The interesting thing about the, the uh, uh,
1: experience that members of the panel had going around the province was the number of times they were told, we want out. Not, we want things changed. We want, you know, We want to change the equalization formula. Sure, there are people who wanted that. But the number of people who said, we have simply had enough. We're out of here absolutely astonished. I mean, I've talked to some of the people, and they were absolutely astonished at the depth uh, and the vehemence uh, of, particularly of Albertans. I I assume uh, if Premier Moe did something similar in Saskatchewan, he would be also surprised. Uh, So, you know, eventually, I mean, that's one reason why they haven't
0: uh, published the (laughs) the results of the report, because it so surprised them. At the moment, the polls suggest that there's about 25% support, not just for some kind of independence, but for actually seceding from Canada. From the way that you're talking, it sounds like you believe that that number is on the cusp of rising.
1: Yeah, I think it could only go up. Uh, And it's it's not because uh, Albertans and Saskatchewanians are pig-headed about this. It's because Central Canada will not change. And we have no reason to expect that they'll change. They have absolutely no interest in doing anything except exploiting us, whether it's wheat or potash or uranium and oil and gas.
0: Uh, And that will continue, uh, you know, till the cows come home. Getting there, though, getting to separation will not be an easy process. Do you believe that it's possible? Absolutely. And it's not that difficult. Uh, It
1: takes political leadership and it takes... uh, a premier here and next door who understand that the alternatives uh, for reform within Canada uh, no longer exist. Uh, and when that happens, and it'll happen you know sooner or later, um, at least if my analysis is right, it will happen sooner or later, uh, then it will happen very quickly because uh, the 25 percent who are in favor of independence now with the proper kind of leadership will be 50 percent you know, within six months, and it'll be 75% uh, pretty darn quickly.
0: You believe it could go that high?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, once you figure it out, once you figure that reform is simply not in the cards, because you have to have, it takes two to tango, and these guys, they don't want to change. They never have, not since before Confederation, and they sure as heck don't want to change now.
0: So in trying to understand this for myself, I started to look at the Clarity Act, which is a little ambiguous in the sense that it says there has to be a clear question that is asked. But that question, the clarity of it, has to be determined by Parliament. So when I talk about this ambiguity, it's as though Parliament said, okay, you go ahead and form the question, but if we don't like it, we're not going to let you ask it.
1: And it was, it was drawn up deliberately that way. Uh, and it was drawn up uh, at the time by uh, Stéphane Dion and uh, Jean Chrétien, because they didn't want to be able to legitimize separatism in Quebec. So it's not a legal question. It's not whether or not they will ever uh, abide by the terms of the Clarity Act. It's entirely political. Uh, and, uh, and this is where it becomes—I've th- made analogies in a couple of things I've written in the last, I don't know, year or so. Uh, that it's like the the English colonies in seventeen seventy five that you know the, there's a, in the declaration there 's this term in the, the long train of abuses, and how much are you willing to put up with um, and Westerners have put up with an awful lot uh, and eventually then you have to do something
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it, it is of course it is treasonous, of course it is illegal. Uh, And of course, it is going to be very unpleasant. Uh, And we're going to have to have, as the American colonists had, uh, help from
0: abroad. Mm -hmm. Uh, They relied on the French. We are going to have to rely on the Americans. To support you from a constitutional perspective, political or economically, or all of the above. All of the above. The, 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 The legal
1: issue will never work because the government of Canada will not let it work. For the reasons that you—they decide what is a um, not only a clear question, then Parliament has to decide uh, what uh, a, an overwhelming majority is or a, uh, a significant majority mm-hmm. in favor of this clear question. If it were 95 percent on a question like, do you want to leave Canada, uh, they could just as easily say no. They could also disallow the, list, the legislation that uh, would would uh, make um, uh, a referendum on, on a clear question possible. Uh, So it's not a legal issue. It's entirely political. uh, And it will depend on whether or not uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta have leaders who are willing to understand the, the, you know, very serious implications, uh, which means, among other things, getting the Americans on board.
0: Will It also require the cooperation of First Nations uh, in, let's say, Alberta and Saskatchewan. And if so, can you help me understand how important that relationship will be if there is a move to separate. I would say, uh, and I, I should <laughs> preface this, but my uh, great-grandmother
1: was, was uh, uh, Sarsi, or uh, Tusina, and uh, the way that First Nations have been treated, and Métis has been no different than the way settlers have been treated. Settlers have treated the, the First Nations badly all on their own, but the Indian Act is an act that was imposed from Ottawa and it was imposed on a typical British imperial model on how you rule you know indigenous peoples wherever they are uh, the the settlers who came here initially with the with the Hudson Bay Company were treated as if they were indigenous peoples so of course you know the natives have been um, treated worse than than European settlers uh, and and settlers from else elsewhere in the world, but not fundamentally different mm-hmm. uh, and, and it 's a political issue it 's not really a cultural issue. Uh, Westerners have had more experience getting along with uh, indigenous people than any anybody else except maybe in the in the territories uh, up north mm-hmm. uh, so it, and there's a there was a whole bunch of intermarriage that um, that it tends to be ignored, I mean this is what what happened in my family it 's it's happened with some of in my my colleagues uh, at the university uh, they come from from uh, families that are that are intermarried they can identify i mean i don 't identify obviously with the uh, sarce but uh, some of my colleagues do, which is fine uh, and that 's something that To say it's not understood elsewhere in the country is a huge understatement. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, So I don't think that's a problem. You believe that arrangements can be made with the various First Nations, and some have indicated they believe that they may be able to get a better deal with Alberta and Saskatchewan as independent entities than the relationship that they have with Ottawa, both in the past and going forward.
1: Yeah. Well, there's obviously an opportunity to use this kind of non-imperial model on how you deal with, with citizens from different ethnic groups. You know, you can think of it that way, mm-hmm. uh, or with different histories. Uh, and that's, that it overthrows the whole uh, subordination of, uh, of the old Northwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's. A, I think it'd be a terrific opportunity
0: so what do you see as the steps from here to being able to move towards independence i asked that because danny hozak said well just call a date to ask the question and in doing so you're going to create structure around the discussion and bring all of the opposing and supporting arguments to the to the fore is he right the thing i I think danny is right about that
1: uh i mean you know he, he he tends to get carried away sometimes but he is right that if you put a date to something, it focuses the attention of the participants. they realize they're going to have to make a decision uh, and they're going to have to think about it. you know they've thought about it in a very vague way. It should be very focused thinking, uh, and particularly um, I mean I, I propose a, a, a two step way that um, if you don't want to change the um, have a referendum on, on section what is it thirty five the the readers to the Equalization form. if you don't want to do that, then within two weeks, uh, a very short period of time, then you have another second referendum on independence. Mm-hmm. And that will focus people's uh, attention, not just here and in Saskatchewan, but uh, in Ottawa.
0: When we take a look at the way in which Alberta has a certain amount of control over the energy sector, but not the environment, does this highlight why it's important that Alberta have complete control over the legal boundaries in which it can operate?
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the argument. Uh, the, the argument against it is that Albertans are um, uh, environmentally irresponsible, which is just insulting. Uh, we have as many, you know, greenies in this province as as you know you guys do in BC. Um, so I don't, that, I think having um, an understanding that the environment and resource extraction, uh, there, are some, there are some problems, uh, but most of our uh, resource extraction companies uh, have seen the importance of being clean. I mean, if you go up to Fort Mac, or you know, out in the bush now, it does not look like it did 30 years ago. With those you know huge uh, windrows of, of muck, uh, there are these tiny little footprint uh, uh, sagd. I mean, I'm sure you've heard that expression. This steam injected um, way of extracting. I've this. been there, yes. Yeah, it's it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Uh, there no there aren't these huge tailing pots anymore where you know everybody gets their knickers in a twist because 500 ducks die. Well, you know it's too bad for the ducks, but. The number of ducks that probably get killed by windmills is a lot more than you know than the, the ones that got into that uh,
0: uh, tailing pond. If we move forward with separation, will it not become even harder to move Alberta's products across the country and beyond?
1: When Irving Oil thinks that they can ship uh, Alberta crude from Vancouver through the Panama Canal to New Brunswick, uh, you know. That tells you something about the barriers to uh, economic activity in this country. Uh, why there is such, uh, let's say, opposition uh, to the uh, looping or the twinning of the uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline, uh, which, which brought natural gas to the Lower Mainland, right? <laughs> I, can was, well, yeah, you know? I can remember when there was petroleum as well. Yeah, I can remember when there there was sawdust. There were sawdust trucks running around Vancouver. And that's how, you know, and the air was as stinky as it was in London at the same time. Uh, So the amount of benefits that have come to BC, particularly the Lower Manor, because of Alberta uh, petroleum, and of course, you know, BC, when it was discovered, natural gas was discovered up in in, uh, the Peace River and and, in the north, is just enormous. So it, it, it kind of, you don't like to say, talk about prejudice very, you know, right away, but there's a certain irrationality in the opposition that we find uh, in BC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for what it's worth, I think that if Alberta were independent, because BC probably would not uh, join this province, uh, we would have a lot more clout in getting what we want, which is access say to the to uh, uh, Rupert, you know a pipeline to prince Rupert uh, oh you, you, BC's not interested in that oh okay well we 're going to have to inspect all the trains from the CPR that comes through you know how long we 're not interested say in in uh, shipping uh, jet fuel to YVR
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: that gets people 's attention even. When Rachel Notley said, we're not going to buy BC wine, even though a lot of the vineyards in the Okanagan are owned by Albertans, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that got their attention. Uh, And if you're going to play hardball, then that's what you're going to play.
0: You talked about Irving Oil and about shipping Alberta oil from Vancouver through the Panama Canal. Well, the Energy East pipeline would have been a much more efficient way to move that oil. But it runs up against the barrier in Quebec. And I think that that relationship with Quebec in particular is galling or guiling to Albertans because there's this sense that you're willing to take our money, but you won't take the products that generate the revenue that fuels the economy. Uh, Premier Kenney had a,
1: had a conversation, uh, I think it was through the media, with the, um, the guy who's the head of the, uh, the uh, block. I can't remember his name now. And, you know, Boucher, isn't it? Yeah, Boucher. He said, uh, said basically, pick a lane. You know, you can't have your cake and eat it. And uh, he, Boucher, replied, I like my cake, and what I want to do with it, I will do. Well, sorry, pal, that's not the way it works. Uh, y- you can't take thirteen billion dollars every year from us, uh, and. You know, say we don't want to, uh, we don't have a social license to to reverse a pipeline through Quebec. It's not the way it works. So that's fine. Uh, they can, you know, if, if they want, if Quebecers want to uh, 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 get their oil from, you know, Nigeria or Saudi Arabia, that's fine.
0: So the big challenge here, of course, is finding the political will within Alberta. To push this forward. Do you think that is possible under the current government or is there going to need to be continued and growing popular support before the government will move to that?
1: Ralph Klein used to say uh, politicians are always looking over their shoulder to see which way the crowd is going and so they can get in front of them and say I'm your leader.
0: It will be very interesting to watch this unfold in the near future because the narrative coming out of the East is not supportive of Alberta. Alberta. And I think that that can do nothing but add momentum to the movement to say we're not being treated properly. It's time to go. And that goes back to the first remark I made.
1: Uh, I think it is impossible for Laurentian Canadians to understand because they don't treat us as we're a province. We have always been this imperial hinterland. Uh, Justin Trudeau's father showed that in spades. Uh, The current prime minister is destroying the economy here and could care less. Well, Albertans have noticed that. Uh, And it's not, you know, it's not a Quebec thing. It's not even a Trudeau thing. Uh, It's uh, the inability, the lack of imagination, which, you know, is intelligible. Why Laurentians think this way? Uh, It's not like they're perverse or something. Um, They have a different understanding of what the
0: country looks like than we do. And they're not going to change. So why should we stay? That's a good question to end on, because I think it's one that people need to think long and hard about, because from my perspective, it would be very unfortunate if we were to see Canada changed. And I say that because this is a country that I care about, but I think you're right, that it is a question that we all need to consider.